love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's easy, especially when we think of our neighbors as our friends and family. But what do we do with those people that we really don't know anything about? The Human Family Podcast hosts conversations with guests from local religious and cultural communities to explore a more complex narrative of who our neighbors are in the greater Santa Barbara area. Welcome to the Human Family Podcast. My name is Kenny Chisholm, and I'm your host. This week, I'm joined by co-host Kunjul Patel, and we're bringing you a conversation with Afaf Turjaman, who is a board member and trustee at the Islamic Society of Santa Barbara. She shares about her connection with the sunset and how it brings her closer to God during prayer. We'll also hear about her appreciation for her practice of praying at dawn, and about the joys of celebrating Ramadan with her community. Afaf has such a peaceful way about her, and I hope you feel fully welcomed into this conversation. You're currently listening to the edited version of this episode. If you want to hear the full conversation, which includes Afaf's reflections on allyship, the journey to building the mosque in Galita, and raising an Arab Muslim family in Santa Barbara, check out our extended version in the same place you found this episode. I'm really glad to be here today with my co-host Kunjul Patel and Afaf Turjaman, who is a board member and trustee at the Islamic Society of Santa Barbara, our local mosque which is located in Galita off the Stork Road exit of the 101. First, we acknowledge the history of the land that we call Santa Barbara, which has been stewarded by the Shumash people for thousands of years before it was forcefully taken by European settlers in 1782. We humbly seek to be in conversation with the Shumash today as they continue to lead by an example of deep spirituality and community. Afaf, can you share your preferred pronouns and how long have you lived in Santa Barbara? She is my preferred pronoun. I've lived in Santa Barbara since 1977. So that'd be 44 years ago. All right. What's something that you particularly enjoy about Santa Barbara being your home? Oh, gee, there's so many things that I love about Santa Barbara. <laughs> but I guess the cliche that everyone uses is I, I just love the weather here. Mm. One of the days that I get to appreciate that more than ever is today when I hear the news and how Texas is suffering through their snowstorms and all the problems. But I love the weather. I love the people here. I love our beautiful sunsets and beaches. One of the things that I do, I try to do maybe three, four times a week is go out and watch the sunset. I live very close to one of the golf courses here. And so I look outside right before sunset and if there's clouds in the sky, I'll just get in the car and drive over and watch the sunset from there. Hmm. There's a beautiful spot here where you see the sun just setting into the ocean. And then there's a lot of people there, but as soon as the sun sets, they leave. But then I stay for an extra half an hour because it just gets more and more beautiful. You mm -hmm. see this great canvas in front of you, just turning colors. It's so gorgeous. Yeah, the, the cool thing about sunsets in Santa Barbara is that you don't actually see the sun set fully, right? There's still more that it's setting. So we do get that beautiful canvas look afterwards, which I... I always thought it was a fun, cool fact about Santa Barbara, the way it's it's shaped or angled. We don't actually fully see the sunset over the horizon. Ah, and there are very few places where you can see the sun actually setting into the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's wonderful to see it move in different directions. 
directions depending if it's summer or or winter mm. so it goes right now it's going more and more to the north and <laughs> i see less and less of it <laughs> yeah. but that's part of the beauty ever changing are there a couple spots that you particularly like or is there like a go-to spot for you to watch the sunset well my go-to spot is right here because it's just like a five minute drive I go to the golf course. Hmm. That's at the end of Hollister before I go to Bukhara. And when I used to go years ago with my daughter, there was hardly anyone there. And I think people are discovering it. So when I go, there are people who are set up. They park their car so that the back of it, they can open it up and sit and have dinner or have tea and sit with their spouse or their children and watch the sunset together. But it's really beautiful. And I take my, my prayer rug because right after sunset is one of our fourth prayer time. And so if I want to stay there long, I don't want to miss the prayers. So I will perform my prayer there. And it just adds a little more spirituality to the whole thing. Yeah, how wonderful to be able to practice in nature and to combine the two. <laughs> yeah, it's really beautiful. You see beautiful sunsets in Santa Barbara all the time. Yeah, inevitably, most of our guests bring up something about just the the, the nature of, of Santa Barbara and how amazing it is to, yeah, to have a connection to the natural world. It really helps us dive into our own spiritual practices because of the beauty of creation and, and creator is, is right in front of us. Yeah, and I'm lucky. I live in a condo that has a small balcony. I live on the second floor. And so my go-to spot just to sit in between classes or during my break I've made a little garden <laughs> on that balcony. Mm. So I go and I sit whenever I get a chance because it's facing west and there's three really tall palm trees about 50 or 100 yards from where I am. And there's a pair of hawks that have nested there. And I just sit and watch them. And they became my friends. <laughs> They're just, I, just, I just love watching them and I can see, predict their pattern. They must have nested in that tree long before I noticed them, but Whenever I get a chance, I just go sit out there and enjoy sitting there. I've made a little garden, so it's just a very peaceful place for me. And if I don't get to go to the beach to see the sunset, then I'll sit right here and, and watch it from here. So you've, you've made neighbors with more than just human residents of Santa Barbara. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. When my kids were little, we used to watch a movie that they loved called Lady Hawk with Michelle Pfeiffer. She turns into a hawk that's cream that's in the movie. I can hear them. They do the same thing. They call to each other. I'd love to hear about a tradition or practice within Islam that maybe most people in Santa Barbara wouldn't know about, whether it's something that all Muslims are called to do or something that's part of your personal practice, that maybe something that helps you show up to do the work that you need to do in the world. You know, Muslims have to, to pray five times a day. There are five pillars in Islam, but one of them and one of the most important ones, because you do it on a daily basis, is the prayer. And so there's an early morning prayer that you do after dawn and before the sun rises. And then there's like the noon prayer, afternoon prayer, the evening prayer right after sunset, and then the night prayer. And... Um, this is part of our religion, and this is what we have to do. And so I get up early in the morning. I mean, the five times a day prayer, people say, what, five times a day? How come you have to do that? But honestly, it's something that we get really busy 
every day with our work, with our studies, with our shopping, with taking care of the kids, that it's easy to just forget about God. But when you have to do that prayer, you kind of you have to pull yourself away from worldly things and uh, concentrate on what's really important in your life. You wash up and you do your prayer. So the washing, so there's physical cleanliness and you purify you know, your spirit, your emotions, your mind. You face Mecca and you give us a short prayer. It takes five, 10 minutes, but basically you get away from the worldly things and connect with God. The early morning prayer is something that's uh, special for me because I get out of bed, I'm groggy, I'm sleepy, but then it's so quiet and you hear the birds and then you wash up and uh, you stand in front on the prayer rug and you face my can you pray. But then it's a special prayer because your mind is clear and your senses aren't bombarded by all the noises around you. And so that's the time I sit calm and I spend extra time at the end of supplication and really connecting. And so that's that's a, a special time for me. It just gives me a sense of peace. What do you mean when you say supplication? Well, the prayer is something um, that's mandatory. They're different lengths. But then after you finish, uh, most people sit and do supplication, which is talking to God. You you praise God, but then you ask if you want anything for yourself, for your family, for your community, for the world. You ask for forgiveness. It's it's a very personal time. You just it's between you and God, and you talk to Him. So so it is a special time. And there's another time that became a tradition in our family. But you know the Quran. I'm sure you know the Quran, but um, yes, it's the holy book. <laughs> See, sometimes I don't want to be presumptuous, but I'm sure you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's our holy book, and it's it was revealed in the month of Ramadan. And these are the words of God. So many people around the world memorize at least part of it. And many, many, many people, millions of people actually memorize the whole thing. My sister, my sister-in-law have memorized it even in their later years. It's a beautiful book. And even if you don't, you have to know at least some of it so you can pray. Because part of the prayer is reciting some of the Quran. And it's just encouraged that you read it. You read it. And so most of the time in Ramadan, which is our month of fasting, which is coming up on April 13, less than, in less than two months, we people read the Quran sometimes once in the whole month, some people twice, three times. But it is a month of worship, a month of just focusing on a new connection with God. And so what I've done in the past, I don't know, has it been the last 15, 20 years, I decided that I want to read the whole of the, whole of the Quran in Ramadan. And so at the end, there's a supplication, again, of having finished the whole Quran. And if I'm really, really good, <laughs> I read it really fast, I try to get as much out of it as I can. The night before the end of Ramadan, I would gather my family together because and then we do a supplication together. And it is said that there's hundreds and thousands and millions of angels that descend because they all want to hear this supplication of you having finished the Quran. And so it's something that now my children look forward to and I feel like, okay, I got to do it. <laughs> Because I don't want to disappoint anyone. But it is a special feeling to be able to do that. 
like for my children, it's still hard because they don't speak Arabic that well. And it, it takes some time dedication. It's about 600 pages, but it's full of parables and stories and lessons. And uh, it's just beautiful. And so that's another tradition that we, we try to keep up with. Because I remember my father used to do that. I love how community and family can help us show up to do the things that we want to do, but sometimes we don't have the motivation or strength to do ourselves. Yeah, so many things that we do now that I, I didn't do before I had kids. <laughs> we, we had to establish our own traditions because I'm bringing up my kids in a community when they go to school, their friends are in school are, are not Muslim. And so when you live in a Muslim country, then everybody is doing the same thing. And uh, you don't feel like you have to establish any other traditions than what everybody else is doing. But one of the things I, I realized here that I that I need to do that. And so this is one of our traditions, reading the Quran and finishing it. At least I finish it, but they get to enjoy, reap the <laughs> rewards. And the night before Ramadan, you know, our months are based on the lunar cycle. And so... When you spot the new moon, this crescent, that means the next day is the beginning of the month. And so everybody's, every year, it's tomorrow Ramadan, we don't know. And, and everybody looks forward to it. It's like a welcome guest that all Muslims welcome into their homes for a month. And it's, we don't know. And so one of the traditions we've established is to go, we drive up to Ferrin Road right before sunset. We face uh, the west side and we see the sun go down and then we look for the crescent. And we see, I say, everybody, whoever finds it first gets $5. <laughs> <laughs> I did that once, but it's, it's hard to see. There is a little sliver of a moon and everybody downloads the app. And it's easier to find when you have the app that shows you where the constellations and the moon and the stars are. And so that became traditional. And then if we see it, that's great. Of course, we don't base it on our own sighting. We go with the community. The whole idea is you are part of a community and you go along with them. But it's fun to do that. Also, the last day of Ramadan, we're not sure if it, Ramadan this year is going to be 29 or 30 days. So on the 29th night, we go and we, well, it's like the eve of the 30th. We go, we take, we're fasting. So we take some water, we take our dates and we drive up there again and we look for the moon. And if we see it, then we know that the next day is Eid and Ramadan has ended. And if not, then we have one more day of fasting. So this is just traditions that we've, we've established here. I think those are quite fun. <laughs> They're fun. Yeah. I always found Ramadan to be so fascinating in terms of, again, growing up Hindu, we also have many festivals where we fast and there are varying ways of fasting. But what I was always taught is that the whole purpose of fasting is that you set your mind on God, right? You're not partaking in, in worldly pleasures such as food. Or later when I grew up, I learned that other religions and other faiths had had different ways of of fasting. Lent, for example, what I was taught is that you give up something. And and it was so interesting growing up to see how as a child, you would think, oh my God, I'm giving 
I'm giving this up. I'm not able to do this. I'm restricted. I, I have to fast. But as I've I've grown older and I guess closer to my faith and and realize that I, I do want to put God in the center of things and not have that divinity be on the periphery of my life. I've realized that, like you said, it's a welcome guest. It's no longer a, oh my goodness, I, I'm not able to do this or I'm giving this up or I'm sacrificing this, but rather it's I get to now focus my energy and my time and my thoughts on on God and on this divinity. So I always thought it was so beautiful that, again, just to see the Muslim community come together during Ramadan and then be able to celebrate together on Eid. And, and it, again, it's just, it was, it was something that I could relate to coming from a culture that also has that, has fasting as a, a very predominant ritual or, or thing that we do. It's it, ritual is not the right word. It's, it's, it's a way of worship, right? And so I, I did, it was hard for me to relate to some of the other cultures that didn't understand that. But as soon as I, I learned that there's another faith that does this and they, they do it in the same way and with that same reverence, it was really lovely for me to be able to relate to that on that level. Yeah, in the Quran it says, we have ordained the fasting upon you as we have ordained ordained it on those before you. So there are other faiths, of course, that have um, fasting. But like you were saying, a lot of people may think, oh my God, I'm going to have to give up this or that. But most Muslims, they just welcome the month and the preparation ahead of time. And you try to, anything worldly that you have to do during that month, you try to get it done before that. So you can devote yourself to just uh, worship and taking part in this great month where there's so much there's so much reward and it's also a time for you to connect with your community so even though we spend our day fasting and but the end of the day we try to break fast together now this is all pre-covid but you know our community comes together to to break their fast together because we know that there are those who either can't afford to make a meal or have a meal. And there are those who don't have time. There are students that are busy or those who are not well. And so we just come together because this is the time when we're fasting all day and we get to feel what people who don't have food all the time feel. And this way you can become have more empathy. And it's the time to give in charity. It's the time to give those who are needy and can use our help. So, so it is a very, very special time. Uh, I know families that turn the TV around facing the wall during the month of Ramadan. So that, but it is, it's kind of a self-control. Yeah. You stay away from food, even you may get hungry. But it's amazing how you, the first day, maybe you'll be hungry or a little bit thirsty, but then your body just gets so used to it and you build up that. The only thing I miss in Ramadan is I never feel like I never get enough sleep. <laughs> Because we, we have the late night prayer. So after the last evening prayer that we do all the time, there's a longer prayer that's about an hour and a half. And it's not required, but the mosque is full. People come because uh, if you come every night, they re read one uh, chapter of the Quran. And the Quran has 30 chapters. So if you go every night, you cover the whole Quran. And there's a lot of blessing in just uh, doing any acts of devotion or worship in Ramadan. 
And yeah, and then we come home after that late night prayer when it's a long day and the sun sets at eight o'clock and then everything gets pushed back. So you get less and less sleep. And then we have to get up early in the morning before dawn in order to have a meal to get ready for a day of fasting. So again, that takes a little bit away from your sleep. But like I said, our bodies are amazing. You do get used to it, and it it doesn't it isn't as hard as some people who haven't tried it think. Like, oh my God, you're gonna go go a whole month without food? I'm like, no, not the whole month without food. We do eat at sunset. <laughs> no water all day? You're gonna die. <laughs> no, even children children don't have to fast, of course, but but children like to do what their parents, they see their parents doing. And uh, it can be done. When my kids were little and they wanted to fast and they wanted to take part, and I knew they were too young to really do it, so I'd ask them to fast for half the day. i say, you have a choice, first part or second part, or you can fast from a certain food. How about today, no pizza or something <laughs> like that? So they feel like they're part of the family and they get used to it. They get into the the whole routine and then when they're old enough around the age of puberty then they can start doing the real fast yeah some of my very close muslim friends have told me that it's it's actually quite the opposite a lot of people looking outside outside looking in think oh you don't have food for a whole month you're going to be so tired and exhausted and but They've told me that if anything, your energy, their energy is so high throughout that entire month. And afterwards, it's like this just complete rejuvenation of their spirit and their soul and their being. And so I, I always think that that's something that I like to remember when when someone who's not familiar with with Ramadan says something that's maybe out of ignorance, I like to remind them that no, it's it's actually quite the opposite. And and it's really wonderful if you get a chance to speak with someone who practices how they feel about about that entire experience. Yeah, it's amazing. We've had like Allah had friends who told her they want to fast with her and they did. And it was like, oh wow, they felt like so good about it. You know, they wanted to try it. They have all my kids. They've all um, had friends who wanted to try it with them, and they they did, and it was an experience for them. Faf, as we, as we bring our conversation to a, a close for today, how can our listeners learn more about Islam, connect with the local Muslim community, just generally draw closer in not only in knowledge, but also relationship, as we talked about, with our local Muslim community? I think if you want to know, actually get to know a Muslim. I mean, you can Google things or not everything on Google is correct, but to actually know someone and just uh, befriend them, visit our local mosque. It's open for any visitors at any time. We do our Friday prayers. Friday is our holy day. Like for the Jews, it's uh, Saturday. And for the Christians, it's Sunday. For us, it's Friday, which is a work day, unfortunately, but a lot of people take their lunch hour at, at around 1.20 is when we start our sermon, and then there's a prayer, and usually we have lunch together. There's lunch, and there's people hang around and talk, and all this, of course, no food these days, but just uh, getting to know someone that way. One thing I'd like to tell people is never feel afraid to approach someone to ask. Sometimes people approach me and say, 
I really don't want to offend you. Or is it okay if I ask you? I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> I'd rather you ask me rather than just wonder or not know or assume. <laughs> so most Muslims you'll approach, they would be more than happy to talk to you. Our mosque is, okay, I'm going to say after COVID and all that, it's, it, it'll be much easier to make connections. We welcome any guests. We often at least once a month, we have either school groups or church groups or groups from the local synagogue that come and visit. And that's a really good one. It's open to anyone. Even UCSB classes, sometimes they'll encourage them to come or make it one of their field trips to come and attend a prayer. And this way you get to know people. And I think there's nothing better than actually knowing someone and talking to them reading about them and listening about Muslims or watching a movie that may be very well, but actually getting to know someone is, is the way to go. Getting to know someone is, is the best. Well, experiencing it yourself is always the best, but then if that's not available, getting to know someone who experiences it, whatever it is that you're trying to learn about is definitely better than reading it on Google. So I agree. Yeah. Google, you never know what you'll find there. <laughs> Afaf and Kunjal, it's been awesome to be in conversation with you both today. This has been a wonderful and relaxing conversation. I hope that our listeners enjoy our conversation as, as much as I did. And I look forward to being in conversation in relationship with both of you going forward. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Afaf. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you. It was nice meeting you both. Thank you for joining us in conversation today. What I enjoyed most about our conversation with Afaf was hearing about how she turned challenging moments into educational ones and brought people together through knowledge, awareness, and love. I was also inspired by the strength, resilience, and faith that Afaf, her family, the Muslim community, and the interfaith community within Santa Barbara all displayed during the 20-year process to build our local Islamic center. Lastly, I cherish hearing about her lovely practice of looking for the full moon to establish the beginning of Ramadan. It made me reflect on my own experiences of chasing the moon and how special those moments can be. Next week, we'll have a conversation with Reverend Dr. David Moore, who is an activist pastor at New Covenant Worship Center. Please subscribe to our podcast to see our latest episodes each week and share it with your friends, family, coworkers, rivals, strangers, Hey, even your pets. And remember, you can always reach out to us on social media and by emailing us at thehumanfamilypodcast at gmail.com. Take care.